0: We are
1: under attack. It is an attack against Western democracies and on the institutions that bind them.
0: What Russia is much more interested in doing is depicting the West as a failure. meant President Yanukovych, they were trying to protect their enormous wealth. This... Hi everybody and welcome to Kremlin Files Week in Review. Hey Olga, we ready to go?
1: Yes we are and welcome everyone. Um, uh, we will fill you in basically on uh, the top stories Mo and I have been watching this week. Um, And we'll also make sure to put the links in for anyone who wants to look further into the story, into our Kremlin file, a sub stack. Um, Go ahead, Mo, let's start.
0: Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Now, first story, okay, that has caused a bit of a stir in the press. And Canada joins uh, a slowly growing list of uh, different countries that are open to sending non-combat troops to ukraine and here i'm talking about the dutch estonians the lithuanian governments uh have said that they're not opposed okay while there are some countries who have come out and said no nine we know who that is okay yeah. speaking of which okay uh germany will not give up uh its tauruses uh, saying that they have a range of 700 kilometers or miles i don't know which, which one it is to tell you the truth but, okay, uh, that's the story there. Now, this um, this piece of news actually followed from statements that were made by Macron on Monday uh, following a European ministers meeting. So saying that France was open to the idea, okay, of this. Not that necessarily it's going to happen tomorrow, but they could also be troops stationed as, okay, we both know, in non-combat uh, positions, Okay, so that's yep. the first one, exactly. Then Olga, you're up next.
1: Yeah, and speaking to Taurus, um, uh, Schultz's reasoning is he is scared that Ukraine mm. will hit Moscow, so now Schultz uh, seems to be uh representing, or at least concerned about the interest of uh Russia versus you know Germany, Europe, mm-hmm. and Ukraine, and Russia's you know aggression. Uh, an illegal war and genocide campaign against Ukraine. So it's crazy. But moving on, um, today is Navalny's funeral um, after, you know, Russia tried to hide the body, refused to give back the body of Navalny to his mother. Finally, she was able to receive the body and um, she was able to have a burial today. Interestingly enough, Uh, Putin demanded um, over this past week that FSB, which is Russia's security services, um, uh, do everything they can to prevent a rebellion. Um, He was very scared of, you know, a a rebellion happening, of there being chaos and potential, you know, any challenge to his uh, rule on the the Taurus throne. Um, and this, apparently, according to um, the Moscow Times, um, a Russian official told them anonymously, Navalny's funeral is a stress test for Russian authorities. This topic was one of the most important at meetings involving Kremlin officials.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And staying, okay, in, in Russia for a moment, unless you wanted to add something else on this? No. Uh, staying in Russian for a moment, in Russia for a moment, um, I believe it was yesterday. Um, Putin did his annual forty-five-hour address in front of a sleeping audience. Okay, uh, wishing that they were, you know, in a bar someplace downing vodka. Instead, uh, he, of course, okay, uh, talked about the mothers and all of this kind of BS. Uh, more whatever, okay, that, I mean, he keeps promising that every single year, and we know what the infrastructure is like, okay, and life is like outside of Moscow. No toilets
1: Petersburg. for 30% of the population. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly, exactly, uh, but but what was picked up by the press was his saber-rattling nuclear, saber-rattling once again, okay, so they spent the better part, okay, of this week, reminding the West that they have nuclear weapons and leaked, in fact, a secret classified docs on their part um, of the fear-mongering operation that they have put in place. We're going to include the link to the story uh, in the show notes and in the description. Okay, so take a look at it uh, and that kind of thing. Anything you want to add on this?
1: Yes. Um. Look, Russia is constantly, you know, showcasing and reminding the West, you know, that they have nuclear weapons. Although, with the mass amounts of corruption, I highly doubt that these, you know, are operational or at least will go where Russia attempts to send it. We've seen it just, you know, from there. Uh, what they call it, weapons inside of Ukraine and and the condition of it. But um, my biggest uh, thing with this is that yes, Russia will continue to threaten with nukes. Um, this uh, leaking of you know classified documents of mm. you know, showing the low threshold Russia now has to launch nukes. Mm. I mean, is a fear mongering operation and. My biggest concern is that the West continues Western media to help Russia you know yeah. inadvertently push this disinformation and fear mongering operations while reporting this. And that's my biggest thing, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard about, uh, you know, Russian nukes on CNN the past few days, and I'm like, come on, guys, just give a disclaimer. You know, you don't have to, maybe you could report it, but then at least add something to it, not just state it as fact, Yeah, you know? And even they took this Financial Times story seriously. I mean, look, in Russia, you can't even like a post without being arrested, you know, and charged as a terrorist or, you know, whatever other uh, charge they do. How in the hell is someone going to take out, you know, nuclear documents and hand it over to a newspaper from Russia? You know, and no one questions this. So that's my biggest issue with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Do better. Yeah, do better. Do better. Also, another thing that came out as well was that Kremlin operatives in Transnistria Appealed to Russia to send quote unquote peacekeeping forces, but stopped short of asking to officially join Russia. Okay, so this is again Transnistria. Olga, can we remind everybody where Transnistria is and if it is important? In you no, know, the Grand It's scheme extremely,
1: of things. yeah, it's extremely important. I had written about, you know, Russia's operations against Moldova. A few years ago, because Russia did this actually in Transnistria after they launched the full scale um, invasion of Ukraine, they were using Transnistria, you know, as kind of a lever um, that they can pull at any time to threaten Europe and to threaten Moldova. So um, Transnistria has been occupied by Russia since 93, for the Mm -hmm. most part, you know, for the better half since the collapse of the Soviet Union pretty much the whole time, the entire time. Mm -hmm. And Russia has um, their, you know, forces based there for the past, you know, few decades, since the 90s. Um, And they use Transnistria as, you know, a way to threaten Moldova, to threaten Europe, to put pressure on Europe by, you know, threatening that they will broaden the, you know, war in Europe. And Transnistria is definitely a point for that. And now with Putin, you know, on his fake election coming up, he now wants to basically show the Russian people how he's doing everything he can to restore, you know, the the Russian empire. And, you know, with news coming out that they asked for this peacekeeping force, I mean, I frankly would not be surprised if uh, you know sooner or later they would ask, um, to to for mm-hmm. Russia to sign papers to annex them uh, mm-hmm. and to yeah. put them under Russian control, like you know, at least by Russia's standards,
0: yeah.
1: um, on paper, uh, with a, like it could happen at any time, you know. Yeah. Will it change anything on the ground? No. I mean, Ukrainians are keeping an eye on it very closely because this Fine. can be, you know, a, a launching pad for Odessa. But okay. it's not going to make a difference what they say. Yeah. The troubling thing is that every country really, really needs to get these Russian agents out of their country mm-hmm.
0: in order to Tell stabilize
1: their it. own country.
0: Tell me about it. Uh, good news is, is that uh, Prime Minister Sandu, Maya Sandu, met with Zelensky Okay, this week mm-hmm. uh, in meetings. So they probably talked about uh, either how to shore up okay, their defenses, all right, in the area itself. Now, um, let's go on to, I think, at this point, Sweden. And then I'd like you to pick up the story, okay, that is coming out of the Middle East. This is just uh, to say that Sweden will cut financial support to the branch of the Russian Orthodox Church. The ROC is what we usually put in our substacks uh, for short. Due to the suspicion of espionage, I'd also like to add that there are heavy infiltrations of the same in Finland, okay, and there are investigations ongoing there. Okay, and on to you. I'll
1: add that the Russian Orthodox Church, I mean, for the well over a century, um, is a front for Russian intelligence, uh, operations, is controlled by Russian intelligence services, and unfortunately is the only uh, Russian intelligence, you know, mechanism that has not been touched since the full-scale invasion. I mean, uh, for the mm-hmm. most part, the Russian Orthodox churches are operating across the globe you know, mm-hmm. um, there have really not been sanctions put on it. I think maybe in Korea, oh, the patriarch who was a KGB agent who, um, during the Soviet Union, his job was to, you know, infiltrate religious organizations and, um, uh, what is it, the WOC role, well, the World Congress well, the- of Families? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so that was his job, and then the patriarch prior to him, Alexei, was also a KGB agent. And, and I mean, basically, this is what it is. So, right. um, right. the fact that um, Sweden is finally is doing this, I mean, it's good. And yeah. I believe it was, um, maybe Latvia last year who also mm-hmm. um had ties with the church and Estonia, um, basically for national Yeah, for national security threats, Ukraine has did the same um, several years ago. I mean, anyone who's from you know this part of the world knows that
0: they know that. That
1: this, uh...
0: Olga, we need to get Mm -hmm. Ruslan back to talk about this because I know that no, he's done uh, uh, a lot of research. You have as well, so would be a great chat. Okay, to uh, to have with him. And remember, everybody, please go and listen to his episode because he is just a fabulous analyst and he is isn't he fabulous absolutely fabulous yeah i'd like you before we we end off with some other things can you tell us what's happening in the middle east
1: yeah so um interestingly enough you know um again historically russia has supported terrorist organizations this goes back to the soviet union i don't think there's one terrorist organization they have not supported um including Hezbollah, um, you know, uh, he called it uh, Hamas. Um and then uh the they work closely with the IRGC. And now with the Houthis. The Houthis mm-hmm. have continued to ramp up attacks against US interests and its allies. Um, and interestingly, mid-February, a Russian delegation flew uh to Yemen to meet with um the prime minister. Um and The beginning of this week the Prime Minister flew to Russia and was welcomed in Russia from Yemen. Yes. So I'm assuming, you know, I assume that they're, you know, uh, working out more logistics, financing and weapons yeah. uh, for continued attacks against yeah. the United States. And they the can't do it
0: from, exactly, they can't do it from a phone or from a cell. So it's like, okay, we got to go and visit. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let's go. All right. Now I know, Olga, that you have um done investigations and research on the next topic since 2015 it's the wire card okay um marsalek all right uh situation can you give us some information on that because i know that you're you're you know this stuff
1: yeah um there is a, a company with wire card um the coo was jan marsalek um and Uh, Basically, today, and I recommend everyone check out this story today, we'll put it into the Kremlin file substack. Um, It came out from the Insider, basically providing more evidence that Marsalek was an operative of the GRU, which is Russia's military intelligence. Um, uh, Wall Street Journal uh, last year came out also with an investigation showing that Marsalek was moving... um, funds uh, for Wagner Group, which is Russia's uh, mercenary terrorist organization, um, to fund covert operations in Africa and basically wherever Wagner operates. Um, He's been a spy for the better half of 20, I mean for the better half of uh, like probably since 2010. and uh, he fled, Wirecard collapsed in 2020, mm-hmm. he fled to Russia, surprise, mm-hmm. surprise, um, and has been living, you know, under the protection of security services inside of Russia. So I highly recommend looking into this um, investigation because vi- Wirecard is the equivalent of like, you know, um, I guess, I don't know what it would be in US, I guess maybe like PayPal or like mm-hmm. um, Yes, that's exactly uh, what it is. Yes. Or something like that, yeah. like it's a very, very big company, and it's mm-hmm. um you know, so the fact that Russia leveraged the main person in this company um you know, and recruited them
0: and used this company to move That's funds right.
1: is is you know and, interesting so
0: and that the German government, the German authorities gave the okay i mean it's it's shocking. they didn't
1: they didn't they were investigating for quite a while in twenty twenty mm-hmm. they took action. Uh, against Marsalik, he fled. They put mm. out an Interpol notice in 2020, but he when had already fled him. in. Yeah. yeah and uh, he fled to Moscow, so it was too late. He mm. went through Belarus. Mm. So, I mean, for them, they were investigating. You know, unfortunately, investigations don't.
0: Everyone can speed up there. We need to get Natalie back on our resident. Okay, of exactly (laughs) what went back in the background because she would know. Okay, now sabotage by congressional okay Republicans continues. All right, this week as a vote for Ukraine aid is blocked. Okay, it is blocked. We're seeing no movement whatsoever. All right, in this regard. Um, Speaker Johnson, if we want to call him that, uh, did (laughs) say, for want of another word. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you said it, I didn't. (laughs) I'm thinking of other words as well, but let's just leave it at that. So Johnson did say that he will finally work on it. All right. Uh, After the government, all right, uh, shutdown bill after that. So they're going to, you know, they're going to keep this going and going and going. Uh, Each delay, as we both know, Olga, means Ukrainian lives. Okay, that's essentially it. Now, a lot of people have also been asking me, well, what is going on in Europe in terms of defense industry? Okay, and this week, there were um, some statements, let's call them those, okay, ideas that are now going to be considered, okay, seriously, I believe, especially with what? You know what's happening? In the States, Thierry Breton, uh, the EU's internal market commissioner, has said that Europe has to move into a war mode, war economy mode. This is an important statement, by the way. The EU rarely talks this way, okay? Warning that the bloc needed to produce more faster and together as Europeans as part of a new defense industrial strategy. Uh, Breton, the EU's industrial chief said that in Brussels, um, European defense must change the paradigm. This also means that European defense industry must take more risks with our support by giving them visibility. Okay, so this has been going on since I believe before Christmas, because as I said, and I've stated this before, Charles Michel had already talked about some sort of strategy. Okay, so this is the situation there. The EU has dedicated 500 million euros to boosting production capacity. 500 million is not a lot at all. Okay. Um, uh, We know that there's a lot of, you know, just to get people on board with 20, uh, 27 countries in the EU. This is one of the problems that we always have. Anytime a decision has to be made. It has to be made uh, unanimously. Now, um, they did it with COVID. They managed to get their act together with COVID. That was a different kind of attack. This is something even more important in my view. All right. Now, are we going to close this up with our last... Are you know, well, you um, uh, uh,
1: we are including three things to watch and read. Um, yep. the latest uh, DFR lab uh, report on Russia's disinformation operation against Ukraine. Um, two films, uh, 20 Days in Mariupol and an investigation by Vasilka. Um, mm-hmm. so we will be including this and to finish up on a lighter note and very ironical, especially with you know, Russia's um. Plans of a uh, nuking Can you hold uh, that satellite? thought for
0: a second? Hold on a minute. Hold that thought, because I just want to say something about the film, The Zelka, which is about a Ukrainian restaurant in New York. So, OK, great movie to go and watch. All right. And and I'm the reason why I'm also saying this is because. Uh, my family has a restaurant, it's a family restaurant that's been going on since over 60 years. So this is a restaurant that opened up in 1952 in New York, uh, and it's Ukrainian. Okay, so uh, they made a film, okay, about it. The other sad, obviously the tragic and uh, and uh, incredible film to watch, hard to watch is 20 Days in Mariupol. The only thing I would I'd like to add that before I turn it over to Olga for the close is uh, that it's been awarded a BAFTA for that's the British okay film industry award the equivalent of um, of the Oscars for best documentary and it has also been nominated for an Oscar as for in the same category so uh, we'll be watching okay those kind of things and now go ahead Olga in for the clothes babe.
1: Uh, So finishing up on a lighter and more ironical um, note, especially with all the news of Russia's, um, uh, you know, plans to nuke satellites in space and and U.S. government officials scrambling um, over the past few weeks um, to kind of calm down, you know, the, the panic that they initially set off. Which was very bizarre to begin with, but um Russia has arrested several people in um their uh space military academy over what is uh, considered like one of the bigger uh corruption mafia schemes and uh theft Ooh. of money. Ooh. So um just Ooh. to show you Russia being Russia, this is what yeah. they do. Yeah. Um every agency is yeah. basically robbed. Every yeah. contract is robbed. And um yep. here and we have know, another uh
0: Yeah. Uh, and I remember, know. Olga, when we were looking at the situation um, uh, let's say just before two thousand and twenty two, February two thousand and twenty-two. And I remember that we were talking about this and you said Remember that there is so much corruption, we have to see exactly how much stuff gets to the front, the quality of the of the actual you no know, kit and equipment and armaments and ammunition uh because of the corruption that is endemic in the in I was just about to say the Soviet system. <laughs> It is the same thing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it is. No, the corruption has always been. Thank God. I mean, you know, I normally have been fighting against corruption. Um, you know, that's part of my work. Um, in this case, thank God for corruption, because if um, there was no corruption in Russia's agencies, you know, mm-hmm. they would have had a way stronger um, military and would have been a you know much much bigger threat. The problem with Russia is, you know. The mentality, um, and you see the evilness of them attacking uh, civilians as a strategy, you know, in order to try to break the will and 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 uh, hey quote, and have Ukrainians, and they do this around the globe, um, you know, yep. to to have break the will of the people and have them just surrender in order to stop the attacks. So that is, you know, one thing Russia has is this brutality, the cruelty of. Um, and trying to win a war or carrying out an operation by killing innocent people, not targeting military targets or you know strategic targets. Their strategic targets are the people. That's right. So humans. We will close humans. off with this, and yeah, um, close off will... with
0: this. Uh, thank goodness that there, know that the corruption is rife. Someone All right, yep. Olga. That's it.
1: Yes, it is. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next week.
0: Hi, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to help us out with our independent work, please subscribe to Kremlin File on Substack and on our YouTube channel. Kremlin File is hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Camara. Our production team is headed by Maddie Kapirov, and the theme music by Oresta.